You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to uh, our Watch Along Critical Commentary podcast, recorded here on the unceded territories of the uh, Slaywatooth, Squamish, and Musqueam nations. Truly. Um, I noticed that a lot of land acknowledgements recently are uh, have now been changed to um, the unceded territories of the Hunkaminum-speaking peoples. I don't know if that is like the new the new and preferred mode, but in case it is, I also want to put that out there. Comparing notes. Uh, Hunkaminum is... Uh, the, the pronunciation of that language's name was something I've, I was working on at lunchtime today, incidentally. I, I, uh, a really neat video floated across my... My social medias. My understanding is that it used to be anglicized to Halcomalum. Yeah, something, um, yeah. But I could be wrong. Anyway, I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan. Hi. Hi. This is a show about pop culture and television and, uh, s- serial killers? Yes. <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> yeah. Um, to, yeah. I don't know if you remember last week when I was talking, serial killers and also, like, some elements of horror. Yeah. Because I don't know if you remember when... Like, last week, there were some horror elements in the episode. It was Halloween. Mm-hmm. But I was also talking last week about a um, a movie I'd just seen, famous movie called Hereditary. Mm-hmm. And the next episode of this show, I think it's called Hereditary. <laughs> and I'm concerned because the way that the big first death happens in Hereditary, not the first one, we open with a funeral, but, like, the first death you actually see is, like, not cool. Like, it is deeply uncool and gross and scary and upsetting. Well, it's it probably... like a very real human, non-horror film way. So are you worried they're going to allusion to the top of the show referential death? Because I find I find their, their allusions are very rarely quite so blunt instrument. Or is it is it a... I don't know, I haven't seen the film, so... Yeah. But anyway, am I referencing something horrible? Um, and we don't want Jughead to die this way? I don't want anyone in any show that's on at 8 o'clock for teenagers to see. <laughs> and I'm saying that not because I think teenagers can't handle the realities of this world. Mm-hmm. I struggled with the reality of that mm-hmm. death. Well, it, it's one of those deaths where, like, like it makes you feel... Like, I don't have kids, but I think as a parent it would make me feel like no child is safe. Like, it's the kind of death where you want them to, like, stay in a box. Spoil us for the movie Hereditary, Chloe, because you've been alluding. Are you gonna see it? Is it new? I don't... I No, it's not on my list It's not on your list at all. It's a great movie. It's a a newer one? It's, like, last year, the year before. See, that might be too new for them to really be referencing that hard. But But anyway, spoiler me. What happens to all the babies forever? Okay, so, um... This is a big spoiler. This will spoil the movie for you. This will spoil the gravity of the movie for you. Okay, clock out for 10 seconds if you don't want to be spoiled. Yes. So um, there are two kids in Hereditary. One is like a Mm preteen and Mm -hmm. one of the, uh, who has like nut allergies and isn't super well and like is like just like a kid who would be in the gifted and or special needs section of the classroom. Okay. And um, her older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, who's a big old normie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and their mom makes him take her to this party that he's going to, mm-hmm. and she has a piece of chocolate cake, 
And it turns out it has knots in it and her throat starts to close. Oh, yeah. So she, so he takes her, he runs up the stairs with her in his arms mm-hmm. and like puts her in the back and is like driving as fast as he can to the hospital. He's being an amazing older brother. Mm-hmm. And um, she needs some air and she undoes the window and she sticks her head out and she's like trying to breathe and trying to breathe and he swerves to avoid an animal in the road and her head makes contact with a pole and it comes off. That's the first death. And just like the way they unfold it in Hereditary is like, no matter how well you try and take care of a situation, the uncopable with thing Mm, will happen. mm, 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 mm. And then they show pictures of like the, like they show an amazing, like Tony Collette is so good. She plays the mom. Mm -hmm. And they see her like screaming, like we see her like screaming into a floor. Like she cannot cope Mm -hmm. because the brother like can't deal. And he just like drives home and goes to bed and and the mom and dad find her in the morning. Yeah, like it's Oof. it's like a fu- it like it's so it is mess. I'm guessing we're not <laughs> going not to like unpack the trauma death of Jelly Bean by Oh my god, I, I didn't doubt know. Oh. that's where we're going. Oh my I god, doubt, I couldn't handle But I get why you've been so on edge. I'm so- I don't think we're gonna dandelion head jelly bean anytime oh soon. Oh my I god! Hope. Anyway, the end of hereditary Ooh. spoilers are over. It is a movie, Ryan Karen. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, and I like I've spoiled the like emotional impact of the thing that sets you up for the rest of the movie. I mean, that's there's plenty more to chew on there. Yes. <laughs> so that's n- probably not where we're going, but that's I really an option. Hope not. <laughs> that's an option of horror movie <sighs> frame references. Um. What were our frames of reference this week? But there um, was also demon possession in Hereditary, so maybe that's all we're getting. Maybe we're finally I getting across with Sabrina. I don't understand how those two things are the same movie, but what? Okay. It, it's a so great movie. Everyone should see it. Got... If you're not easily scared. <laughs> it's really good. It's a really great movie. I just need to fix these cushions, Ryan Karen. I'm so sorry. So we got plot this week. Oh god, I just kicked the mic. Sorry, it's... there was a bump. There was a small earthquake in your odd audio experience. In your head. That's my cat. Um, yeah, so there's some genres happening this week. How do we get away with murder is the big genre. I think so. I feel like I'm I feel like that, that is. is it Shonda Rhimes drama. Shonda Rhimes drama. Crime procedural melodrama noise. And then there's that this other whole procedural going on with Veronica this week. And another secret sibling. Yeah, I don't, a, what? I don't like it. So this is my big beef with Hiram is that I don't like he's a he's a villain and I don't mm, I like mm. the show is getting me not to like him, mm-hmm. but it's the same villainy over and over again. It's like the same type of I'm one step ahead of you and I'm an asshole like over and over again. And it's just like a little like, OK, mm. cool. We have a new villain. Uh, yeah. No. OK, I get that. I get that. He's not an enthralling rival. He's like a fatiguing rival at this point. He's in a, a lot fatiguing of ways. rival, totally. Yeah. Like, That's how are it. you still? How are you still relevant? Yeah. Didn't we? Season two. What? Yeah. Didn't we? But I mean, they seem to be revamping him a touch, or mm. recycling him out of the evil league of evil back into the crime boss land. Yeah. Um, interesting amount of backpedaling, I do think, on Hermione's level of engagement in his crime bossism, or perhaps not. 
um, interesting to see her back on the playing board uh, and to mm-hmm. see her experiences over the last two seasons back into a place of relevance, of key plot, core plot. Um, I forget sometimes that Hermione Lodge was a core fixture in season one's yeah. mystique. And I feel like she is a hub of unrevealed plot points in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, she, and, and this is perhaps what, oh, uh, uh, you know, Hiram is an easy person to add a few mysteries and secrets to. Right? Yeah. Like, they've delved hard into the unexpected connections of just about everyone else in our lead cast. I guess that's true, yeah. Um, including Jughead's family, which is, um, I think, actually fairly, like, comfortably handled as far as the, the steady reveal of, has been. Yeah, I'm kind of, like, not... Like, it's it's a it's a familiar plot, mystery yeah. grandfather, mystery, mystery, mystery. Yeah, I don't um, care. But I... But I I don't mind it. Like it's fitting in here, yeah. well, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. In the in the trope private school where yeah. everything else is is comfortably niche, right down to the ghost written uh, serial story tradition handoff thing. Um, why don't we start the show, Chloe? Because I feel like this is a fairly steady paced one, and we'll, yeah. we're going to have plenty to say during the yeah. episode this week. Um, I have a prediction about how this season is going to go. Yeah. Um. We saw some stuff at the end of this episode. Um, as I'm sure you know at this point, hopefully you've watched the episode at least once. <laughs> I think what's going to happen is Betty is going to think that she has killed Jughead. Okay, okay. And because Archie and Veronica are her sweet pals and they don't want to lose Betty, they help her cover whatever evidence she thinks has she thinks is like she thinks is her murder uh-huh, okay. but alternatively Jughead has to go into hiding from this Brett guy and <laughs> um, they fake his death I mean that's and they but they also can't tell FP for some reason or FP is in on it we got a wee quite a range of skeet Ulrich yeah. performance today from yeah the, he was good very on I point him. but also some like like he I had eight him. different moods to play today he did like tonal tonal he was a lot of different people. I have um, a show for him, I hope. Yeah. I hope you had fun, Skeetle Rich. I, I, like your, I like your theory, Chloe. Um, I'm intrigued by it. I'm going to offer a counter theory, not based on any evidence. Um, I believe Jughead is going to die, and next season will be from the perspective of zombie narrator Jughead. Cool. My only my only evidence nudge in this is the bold choices they've made so far. And the fact that they've recommitted to Archie being a full tilt vigilante superhero, yeah. several layers over. And if you're gonna oh. if you're gonna be that ridiculous, which by all means, yeah. then a zombie narrator is not unheard of. But anyway, I mean, wow. <laughs> uh, notable absence of Blossom dramas. This time, that's yes, just um. They're letting that chill. That's just decomposing away. Although the vixens have become big sisters, and I'm curious to see what kind of big sister <laughs> show is going to be to these poor troubled youth. So you got your recordings all queued up, gang. 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 Uh, with our Netflix syncs coming in our our ends. Uh, ready for the Badoom, folks? Chloe? Are you Badooming, and I'm Warner Brothersing? Yeah. Great. And playing in three, two. One.
on Riverdale. Yes. Now, other other than functioning to nudge the stakes along, Moose, is he relevant or is he a red herring here? Who? Moose. Moose. Oh, I don't know. My read is he's probably just a convenient person to show class struggle and boarding school isolation noise. Yeah. That's That was my... I wouldn't be surprised if he's done now. Yeah, which is too bad. Um, yeah. I feel like there were possibilities with that character in this melodramatic teenage soup that we're in. Yeah, of course, he's so very separate from Kevin at the moment. But I I want them both, I want their their ships to keep sailing until they bump into each other again. Yeah. I want to know where this alley is because the Skytrain goes by it at some point, assuming they shoot in the same alley every time. I mean, did we see the Skytrain? Because that could be Folly Sound. I I saw some lights. I don't know if it's... Well, I'm going to watch closer this time because okay. this... This could be just like any old Yikes, superhero that, film set. That's true. Right? I just took a fall. Holy shit. They could use Holy any cow. green arrow set. They could use any. Yeah. <laughs> they have, Ryan they have like pointed six out shows. that this is the correct response, and like he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know which mass dude is going to steal the purse yeah. and which one's unstealing it. You pepper spray and run. Also. Use milk if you got pepper spray in your face. Yes. Or, you know, tear gas if you are in an event and police are being police. Anyway, so Betty and Kevin, what's their friendship? I don't know. <laughs> um, they seem to be sort of back to normal. We're talking about cruising again. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Also, how, how serious um, is this? Because cruising in a public bathroom is a certain level of... Gay experience that's real and a thing, but also Kevin's 16 and some, like, there's just mixed. It sounds like it involves some risk. I kind of have a suspicion that this is a weird, like, 30-year-old super gay men writing the only gay experience they can process. Okay. But within the weird layers of, there's like two and a half generations between, anyway, (laughs) anyway. And then we have this procedural thing where we get some nice uh, Mrs. Andrews, uh, Mary Andrews, Ms. Mrs. Mrs. Uh, anyway, yeah. Archie's mom. God, that's even worse. Uh, Mary is being an amazing lawyer here in Veronica's strange noir adventure. Um, I'm I'm here for her being the NPC in everyone else's function as. One of the only uh, grown up uh that isn't implicated in a lot of federal crimes. Yeah. See, I think, sorry to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. I, sorry, based on this, like, I think that Moose must be coming back because he's turning into this, like, where is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a question. Yeah. Um, or if not coming back, doomed to go missing first. Yeah. Maybe. Also not a great potential fate for the fellow, but whatever. Yeah. Um, big, big ups to Cole Sprouse here for just being the ultimate lit nerd right now. Like, I, 
I empathize with this so hard. Like, it would be like finding out that, like, a teacher wrote was Tamora Pierce. Like, I'd be (laughs) behaving exactly the way he's behaving right now. And now, Um, this is very interesting, um, I found. Um, It is a very neat system, the, the, the ghost writers that underlie a lot of our old relic names. Yeah. Your, um, you know, Animorphs was mostly ghost-written, but go, go, sticking with the genre, um, Hardy Boys, Backstreet, yeah. uh, ba- uh, Boxcar Kids. And this is clearly kids. the Hardy Boys. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be. Um, I, I don't think high schoolers are usually recruited, but my understanding is it's, it's largely a, like, grad school and interning gig uh, for a lot of folks. Um... I read a lovely piece by a former babysitter's writer, uh, ghost club, ghost writer, words, all the words in that order, um, about it just being like a really casual writing gig Hmm, that incidentally, you know, it's like technical writing, but also you're just hammering out based on this outline and these plot points and these like editorial notes. It's all plot and adverbs, so-and-so said guiltily, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, the ways in which these uh, serial bits of storytellings can be inherited and passed along and, and shepherded in corporate ways. Um, you, you mentioned the, the first time we were talking about this as well, that this is, an, uh, Riverdale here is itself an intellectual property being written by the fans several generations down. Yeah. Um, that lineage. Yeah, I, I think, like, it's interesting that, like, the, the writers are making the choice to be sort of backhandedly self-referential in that way. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. um, a little bit. A yeah. little bit. I don't... I mean... Hmm. Hmm. Meanwhile, Veronica meets with federal prosecutors on the reg and just... Yeah. <laughs> just blackmails governors repeatedly. Yeah. And just like, this is her life now. Yeah. How does Veronica think there's any room for chill? <laughs> like, like the, how does I she see an do this week, she says later, <laughs> I think, in the episode. So, this is... I would love to know if the FBI junior program is real. I'm going to Google oh, it. Oh, gosh, I hope not. That's problematic. Maybe. But, I mean, we have... Is it, have, though? I mean... Mm, I don't know. It's... It's a complicated introspection on the relationship of propaganda, youth, law enforcement, and indoctrination. Um, I think there are many merits to things like scouts and cadets, but I also think there is moral questions to, say, cadets, which is a military-funded, versus any kind of junior FBI or an ROTC-type program which ties uh, academic development to uh, both an indoctrination participation and service to specific law enforcement agencies. Does I, it exist? I see your point. Uh, junior Special Agents Program, FBI. Virginia 6th graders and Junior Special Agents Program, etc. Oh, yeah. So it's real. Oh, just 6th graders, eh? FBI Academy. This, great, great. The world's beautiful. The world's... A... High school juniors invited to apply for FBI Teen Academy in Roseville. By the way, any of you who happen to be good at picking the serial killers out of a lineup in a bunch of photographs or who have these weird genes... Don't need to be worried. It's not real. Yeah, you're fine. Oh, oh sorry. Um, Here. The, the internet has done most of the work comfortably debunking the serial killer gene thing for me. Um, I don't need to echo it. Um, but oh, okay. I, I, I will then... happily unpack it a touch for you. 
Um, yeah, I think because you ought. this uh, this vocabulary is familiar a little bit, uh, given that I work in mental health and study psychology. Um, first, there is no definitive behavioral gene, um, but what we're looking at is. Um, some genes correlate with certain populations. It can be very arbitrary or it can be uh, somewhat causal. Um, and in this case, the, the, the gene that they're referencing, um, or the gene sequence that they're referencing, uh, CDH13, mm-hmm. um, has at times been linked to, uh, to the enzyme MAOI, or MAOA, sorry. Okay. Um, that's why they're saying the MAOA and CDH13 genes. That's why there's this big long string of numbers. MAOA is a um, an essential neurotransmitter. It's one of the chemicals in your brain um, that interacts with just about every other key chemical in your brain. Oh, okay. Um, pr- regulating emotion, learning, motivation, impulses. Uh, a lot of really critical things are interacting with this chemical. Now, mm-hmm. this gene is related to the, your production of MO, M, uh, MAOA, monoamine oxase, um, which does mean it interacts with a lot of these systems and is correlated with a small increase in uh, aggressive outbursts and some violent outbursts. Um, notably, assi- notably, it seems to be uh, a, a sex-segregated thing as well. Men tend to express violence with this gene. Women t- tend to express slightly more um, experiences with euphoria. Apparently. That's fascinating. Out of quick Google. Um, once again, uh, this is a very complicated enzyme. Um, it's involved in the breakdown of the other chemicals in our brain. So too much or too little can mean a bunch of other things are a little overhyped or underhyped. So it's one ingredient in an enormous cocktail and it all depends on what other ingredients are present and how the cocktail is shaken. Yes, exactly. But it's also not like, it's not serial killer. It's a subtle factor dealing with your aggression responses, patterns, and pacings. Interesting. Yeah, that incidentally is found in a number of historical serial killers. Um, there's another branch or aspect of psychology that is kind of relevant to this conversation, what's being presented in the motif of, um, of these junior FBI. I'm talking right over the, the school because I'm honestly, yeah. this is just a continuation of a slow, steady plotting plot. We need to know it all. It's expositionally, but we have another ominous adult and a legacy, and it's all plot pieces and crumbs so profiling um a lot of what charles is bringing to the table is um uh these uh these profiling forensic approaches that are very much um coming out of the personality psychology theories of the 70s and 80s um and a lot of the very sensationalistic forensic um uh csi bones blah 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 a one science magics all the crime uh, TV shows hmm. um, have uh, led to some some spike in in public discussion of these uh, techniques. Um, profiling is very much about after the fact association of what um, what traits do this does this group usually show. It's not about uh, often. It's not it's not of, so often about uh, X causes Y as 
X seems to have a lot of Y. Most of these X have Y. Tends to be a a major correlation. Um, And it also uh, often leans into theories of personality or uh, models of personality that are often, uh, that often shift a little bit as the, as the, as our understanding changes every generation of how we view mental health. Um, and I guess the, the last reading I've done, so like in, in the last couple of years, it does seem that um, profiling and forensic psychology has moved in a few other directions because there is consistently no, no real advantage to profiling. Um, not to say it doesn't work or works better, but that it works about equal to other, uh, other detective techniques, other basic standard detective techniques that do not rely on a psych theory at their Mm. core to explain something. Um, so the results don't seem to shift. So it's equally or comparably effective to existing techniques. Um, but it's also based on a lot of very dated and very fluid assumptions about the immutability of human personality, such as a gene that could be a significant contributor in, say, a serial killer behavior, which more and more is being moved away from in general personality psychology theories. The, the like, uh, essentialist approach is really being revamped. Did, did that make sense there, Chloe? Or did um, I spiral? No, that was great. I, there was a lot of information. And um, one of the main reasons I always listen to our podcast is because I often like can't take in a lot of the very interesting things you say while looking at a television. Oh, <laughs> and then you. And then I get a chance to hear them properly. <laughs> um, I'm glad I record my life. Yeah, I'm glad you record your life. Meanwhile, Archie's um, no, saving all the children. That's interesting because I think like they've they've thrown a lot of stuff at Betty that has been that has felt a little like pop psychology like that stuff she was mm-hmm, doing where she was mm-hmm. pressing her nails into her hands mm-hmm. or like the dark betty stuff or like am i a serial killer now they like thrown a lot at this character yeah and a lot of it is is proxies for something else or bs mm. you know what i mean I, I will say, I think they've done a good job in um, the shallowness of a lot of these um, indicators or tropes. Mm-hmm. They have not clung terribly hard to any of these things until this gene thing now spans two seasons. Yeah. But they have moved very fluidly, fluidly through all, many, many indicators of trouble. Um, ironically missing all of the really, really important ones about empathy and agency and choice and self-awareness. Like, it's not just about murdering animals, it's about interest and detachment and comfort murdering animals. You're missing some key stuff, even for the profiling psychology details here, yeah. Charles. I, that, that, um, that is uh, a consistent pattern in a lot of a certain period of serial killers, um, a certain branch of caught and associated serial killers, the Dahmer sort that um, early violence against animals. Um, but this is, again, it's a corollary, not a causal, necessarily. Right. The same issues with relationship, empathy, and um, caring about others' reactions and outcomes also long... The, the, the um, planning your ability to... Uh, 
focus on the consequences rather than the action or impulse. Um, these are all factors that seem to align with people who, say, mutilate small animals as children and mutilate humans as less children. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Once again, there's like a half a dozen overlapping personality traits that align with with outcome behaviors more often or regularly. Okay, I follow. Uh, and this is where we see ad, ad hoc patterns. Um, a lot of a lot of our understanding of psychi- um, psychopathy, sociopathy, these are really amorphous, non-clinical terms that um, depend on a lot of um, really uh, layman-reduced simplifications of this ad hoc, uh, after-the-fact, ad hoc is not the right term, this, this after-the-fact uh, no, sort of applies, to be honest. Mm. It, it, it's slightly it's different nuances. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I need more words. <laughs> it's okay. Meanwhile, Jughead is dealing with one of the most dangerous villains of all time, which is the well-educated, well-to-do, privileged, older white man, mm-hmm. who, who is, seems benevolent. <laughs> but who is at the head of a secession lineage of privileged white men with a capitalist enterprise brand yeah, as the prize. Yeah, scary stuff. That's really the interesting thing. Um, yeah. This is, this, is, this is a moment to acknowledge some of the intersectionality that we have a class of five people, and we have two apparent cis white men vying for the obvious top position, and three racialized or otherwise marginalized humans who've had a few lines and I don't know their names. And yes. they're clearly not in the running for the mystery prize. Well, we know Donna's names because she's an S-L-U-T. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we have... Then we have the smart Asian girl, and then we have the smart black man. Yeah. That's what we've got. That's what we've got. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going to pretend that's all commentary on Breakfast Club. <laughs> or something. <laughs> Um, I've spiraled because Veronica's legal case here, um, yeah. this is very much just moving the chess pieces around the board in this really is clunky very, ways. very, plotty episode. Very, yeah. very plotty. It, it's very procedural. Um, I, I did enjoy a, the subtling into the, um, sort of procedural court pacing aesthetic, um, all these, all these meetings with your lawyer. There's, there is just a certain... Something. Mm-hmm. There's a certain genre something that's being used, and I can't put my finger on it, but I feel it distinguishing those court sequences from our consistent preppy, from from our other plots. Yeah. We, we once again juggle four or five very different feels, all of them a lot more grounded in reality than we have been for a little while. Yeah. But, um, oh gosh, this creepy cat murder. Yeah, I hated it. Um, I also loved the way that... Um, those scenes were lit in the front yard with Betty's mm, cat. Like yeah. it almost had some one of those more like unreal Instagram filter qualities. Yeah, a little bit Stepfordy. Um, yeah, Privet Drive, unreal. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I really liked this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't quite put my finger on why. Hmm. Um, exactly. I mean, it's. Basically, Skeet Ulrich is the reason I like this scene. Yeah. But just, it's, like, well-paced. The lines are, like, 
you know, television lines, but they're, like, really tempered and, like, Mm. they mean them. I don't know. It was just a really good scene. Yeah. That sounds really dumb, putting it that way. This show um, jams itself full of lines that are so melodramatic you couldn't possibly take them seriously. And it's, it's normalized us hearing all of that out of our actors' mouths. Mm-hmm. So switching to this this um, somewhat more naturalistic dialogue, this um, very, like, intimate push and pull that is about something so small stakes. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I think yeah. it really was a chance for Skeetlerich to shine in the character Nuance. Um, and in this very episode, Skeetlerich wears a dozen different masks and hats yeah. uh, of emotional extremes and functions for other people's plots. Yeah. Um, also, he's worn basically one costume since he became sheriff, which I think is kind of great. Yep. Um, meanwhile, uh, we've left vaguely realistic plot over something fairly small For... and gone back to Veronica um, blackmailing the district attorney again. As you Wait, do. sorry, the governor, not the district the gov- attorney. As you do. As you do. As well, I mean, I haven't personally. I like. I wish I had that amount of power. <laughs> I could blackmail a governor. A great, great. Maybe useful uncle skill. Useful skill. Once blackmailed a premier, apparently family really? lore. Yeah, my great. I think. Okay, my great grandfather was jailed for moonshining in rural Alberta. Right. But my great great uncle ran a gambling house that the premier had been to a bunch. That's the family lore. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. But this is also when there were like 8,000 non-First Nation settlers in Alberta. So like literally the premier was like like your neighbor. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> your neighbor 500 kilometers away, but still. Yeah. Small gambling houses. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is an odd icebreaker game. Mm-hmm. Um, icebreaking by... Yeah, okay, watch each other ominously. Yeah. Also, crap detective work on everyone around Jughead here. She talks to no one else and looks at no one else, and no one's paying attention. Their situational awareness is not on. Yeah. Y'all are mingling, not gaming. No wonder you lose. Oh, Donna. <laughs> yeah, y'all are mingling, not gaming. That's funny. Oh, man. Sean Deppner's face here, like, I'm going to find it. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Oh, so great. <clears throat> and then this little petulant teenager moment. Yeah. I also, they really did play up Brett's stupidity a bit here. Yeah, yeah. Like, is Brett, maybe I wonder if Brett is trying to make himself look stupid to make himself look like an easier opponent. Like, is he like that level of manipulator? Oh, or is I, he just a bully? I don't think Brett's <laughs> a player. I think Brett's a piece. Yeah. I think Brett so is a piece stupid. of lower value being bumped against Jughead yeah. in in a in a much bigger chess game. Yeah. So, mm, wow. This feels like in many ways we didn't stop from the whole coffin plot. Like they mention it casually at several points and FP is just like, "Oh, someone insulted your heritage?" skimming over the locked in a coffin part. Yeah. <laughs> Theoretically, he's already told his dad about that, and they've already dealt with it. Apparently, they've told everyone it's fine, and it's fine. Everyone, the, I just feel like the sheriff would want to, 
the sheriff of all people mm-hmm. be like, I think I'd like to talk to the principal <laughs> about how my son was locked in a coffin. You were in there how long? How how long exact? With okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Then we're back in court with the mysterious lady. So Leonardo Charles is like specifically using this class to scare Betty. Oh yeah, apparently. Okay, right. I I guess to like groom Betty, but to in be a what in what ominous way? Right. I mean, we've also been there. Yeah, I know. Like she's had a serial killer mentor. Yeah. And and Archie's already been a vigilante. Like you're only four seasons mm-hmm. in Riverdale. Like come on. Can they recycle without rehashing territory? That will be an interesting journey. Yeah. Now ne- Now my favorite show ever on television mm-hmm. had a rocky fourth season. Mm-hmm. Maybe Riverdale can recover. That was six feet under, a slightly <laughs> different show. Slightly different like premise. No aim, you know. This is also, I would say, the first um, exposition slog that we've had this season. Yeah. And five episodes in, with another definitely three, possibly a few more before our hiatus, um, that's an interesting place to be, actually. Um, I am surprised how much they've been able to set up without drawing our attention to the setup. Um... Perhaps thanks to all of the absolutely ridiculous loose ends that needed to tie in. Yeah. Also, can we talk about, like, holy childhood trauma, Batman? Mm-hmm. Like, Hi, Hal Cooper. You're trash. Yeah. Remember when we wanted all the toxic dads of Riverdale to be done with? And they just kept digging. One. Well, I mean, he is the toxic dad of Riverdale, yeah. Also Hiram. Oh, also Hiram. Hiram's still going. Hiram's still around to kill. Yeah. And but I'm worried Charles is perpetuating the continuation of a Hal issue somehow, despite yeah. being not related. Well, at least Charles has like not obliged um women to have abortions for his convenience. Yeah, as far as we know. It's a nice start. As far as we know. It's, you know, in terms of a progress. Anyway, I'm curious to know I'm curious about what they're going to do with Charles's character. Because, like, clearly, he's got to be involved in Jughead's death. Maybe death, whatever it is, somehow. Uh, yeah, the FBI dude mysteriously hanging around before the massive manhunt yeah. plot that we're dangling. Mm-hmm. Like, aggressively, fascinatingly dangling. Yeah. Like, leaning your whole season structure yeah. into dangling. So, <sighs> I love this. I love this scene where FP... The sheriff gives Archie, like, really good community outreach as a gang advice. Yeah. 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 I think it's a good, I think it's a good scene. I like the scene. I have a little trouble investing myself in Archie's plot right now. Um, because there is a... I had it. Well, there's that. Tazzy, that's our microphone. (laughs) Um, yes, you can speak on it too, Tassie. Yes, Tassie. You can share as um, long as you this is like, So this, this reminds me of an account I read of a wonderful prolific author mm. who, um, when she was interning somewhere, 
um, she's African American, overheard a group of the other her other coworkers talking about her as the affirmative action mm-hmm. hire. And I think it's like the cruelest, cruelest thing anyone can say to anyone. I think it's deeply inappropriate and by and large a useless insult. Like, who cares? This person mm. is here. Um, and obviously this is a very different situation. That is a real life situation where a racialized person experienced racism. <laughs> but here like, we're listening to someone with privilege like blatantly say to this guy you don't deserve to be here and kind of hit all his buttons Mm -hmm. and i like think it's like a good thing to put in a show for teenagers Mm. also i love this shot because like it's the kind of shot i would think that would be just like tightly focused on jughead right and instead you get the, the other three right like in the background and what does that mean and a very soft um, um, not quite handheld, but definitely not still static camera. Yeah. One that sort of swayed gently with his movements, but uh, and tracked him while scanning out, while expanding out, um, sort of with his focus, hmm. right? As he's tunnel visioned on Brett, we we snap back out of it and into it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm not um, picking up the vibe of Archie's subplot yet. Like, I, I'm i not sure. I, I hope I'm not expected to care yet. Because I super don't. Partially because it's kind of way too pure perfect to be beating up exploitive gang artful dodgers as pure heart the powerful while running a big brother community center gym like archie's hokey but there's there's a few layers of this is a lot yeah going on as far as the emotional stakes here um i'm having trouble sussing out where i'm supposed to be like setting my emotional level to in archie's plot well i also don't like this because like this isn't the reason that's like like people are uptight about halfway houses. Oh yeah, one hundred percent about like quote unquote troubled kids community centers. Like they don't want riffraff in their neighborhood. Like to put it bluntly, like there it's not because like there is another gang lord that they're paying protection to. You know what I mean? Yeah. How how That's convenient would that be if we <laughs> had just a gang leader sitting in the shadows? Yeah. But like. And, like, it's a fun piece of plot. Like, I understand that Riverdale is, like, mm-hmm. not making it, like, just social commentary choice. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to make any social commentary, at least do it right. They did undercut their own potential plot there yeah. real hard. Um, I, I uh, for about eight years, worked in specifically community-based residential uh, transitional housing um, with a focus in, a, in, a, in a range of um, Sorry, mental how mental illnesses, yeah. uh, organic brain damage, so physical disability, and oh, the stuff of the neighbors would bring. The, I remember so specifically uh, after um, a mass shooting where mental health was the buzzword subject for two weeks or so. Wow. I remember like having a neighbor come up to this house that had been there for 15 years and like express great concern to the staff wanting to know a a whole bunch more about what this site was because all of this stuff in the news about people with mental illness and like oof 
Yeah, that's really... To say nothing of getting the places open in the first place. Yeah. It's about a two or three year consultation process. But God, yeah, the just the normative harassment spike of yeah. people living in transitional living. Like, I worked at probably 15 different sites over that stretch, and mm-hmm. every one of them dealt with neighborhood uh, complaints and harassments. Even the quietest, uh, like, six young people all in a late recovery stage house had just, like, we know what complaint that neighbor house uses and what complaint that neighbor house uses and the residents change over and the staff change over, but the neighbor complaints stay the same for years and years. This is a really, that's actually a really good concrete example of, um, like the, the stigma that is created around mental health when people use mental health as a buzzword after a shooting or after a, the domestic terrorism attempt like yeah it's a really because i think a lot of people are like oh like yeah sure like i won't say mean things about people who are mentally ill like no like yeah. there's there's like there's a there's there a are notable concrete, like reasons that have to do with people's safety that that's not cool there's an uptick in the harassment of folks with disabilities living in supported situations when the buzzword mental health comes up for several weeks right that that's just that's just what it is more people get harassed, more people get asked invasive questions, more people get side-eye, and trust diminishes. Um, it's already like a two-year consultation process to maybe squeeze through small new developments in most neighborhoods, and it is an uphill battle from the yeah. beginning. In other news, this creepy scene, I loved Betty's reaction to it, which we see a few scenes later. She Like, she immediately is like, BS. You know what I mean? She's immediately like, sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Mm Mm-hmm. No. (laughs) And on a whole different note of surprise siblings. I wonder if this is just (laughs) going to be like the surprise sibling season. Like, I wonder if there's more coming. One for Archie. Maybe Charles and Brett are related. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Well, Jug... Okay, so, so far, Betty, Jughead, and Veronica all have secret siblings. Yes. Which leaves Archie. Yep. Kevin. Now we're not going to touch... Well, arguably, Josie and Kevin were secret siblings for a time. It's true, actually. (laughs) Sort of. Secret step-siblings. That was a thing that was definitely secret and awkward. Maybe maybe Sierra McCoy is going to have a late-life baby. And there's going to be a baby. (sighs) A cute little baby. Josie's not... I don't trust them to handle that between Josie and Kevin anymore. That was such a good, interesting relationship that just went away. Yeah. Ashley Murray better get some good lines and screen time on Katie Keene, I tell ya. Yeah. So how do we feel about Dark Veronica? Mostly her name bugs me. It means beautiful in Spanish, Mm. which is like, I think, a real thing that people get named. But I think naming Mm. this character, Hermosa, is like a little on the nose. Mm. Like, I'm so well favored by daddy. He named me beautiful. Like... Oh, don't like I mean, it. that That said, she's so well-favored that his second family didn't know she existed. Yeah. Which is a real thing. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know, and like, I, I, assuming this is not Hermione's kid, which it does not seem like it is. She does not seem to be working in Hermione's... So whose kid is it? Is someone mm-hmm. else? Is it like another surprise half-sibling with someone since Hiram kind of grew up in Riverdale? 
Like, who could it be? Is it Alice? Alice seems to have surprise babies all over the place, bless her heart. I mean, a criticism. it occurred to me just, just for the absurdity that would be inherent to Alice having spawned two and change worth of mystery <laughs> children that took us a few years to get around to. Yeah. Oy. I liked this scene. I don't really know what I liked about it, particular. Mm. Like I don't, like the the like mm-hmm. the ingredient that I liked about it. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's mm. the way it's shot. Actually, now I'm looking at it. Like yeah. these warm yellows and like the book shadow like moves over his face, and the way like the the way the light fills the um the words when he tilts the book. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. Like and this with the window. It's a lot of loving visuals here. Yeah. Um, Making this particular scene pop for me um, as we sharply focus in on a clue mm-hmm. in a very traditional mystery sense reveal, mm-hmm. right? Like this is this is a Nancy Drew clue that is being lit so glowingly. There is so much subtle intrigue between the lines in in everything that's being discovered here. None of it makes sense. None of it is none of it's like the Gargoyle King symbol. Right? Yeah. It's ominous Americana lit passages and phrases of of unspoken intergenerational weight. And that's a very different piece of American literary canon. Yeah. Sorry, I love Alice's like side eye of like, who's this young woman on your arm? Yep. Reminds me of my grandfather once took a ballroom dancing lesson and my mm. grandmother um, had a an injured knee and couldn't go. Mm-hmm. And so he took my aunt, my mm. aunt, um, mm-hmm. uh, his daughter, and there was a lot of like, oh, who's this young woman <laughs> that Ken's with? Is like Sarah known as like my aunt Susan. Anyway, uh. they, should, they look a lot alike, like someone should have known. But anyway, um... So but, Kevin, I, I, but yes, I do. Reason? I do want to get into this, but yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to say, like, if we needed any other indication that Hiram is like not a good father, he's picking the <laughs> daughter he can groom and manipulate. Who will do what he says? Yep, the one who he um, apparently stowed in Miami as an agent. Yeah, away from his life. Yeah, that's like long term, deep nonsense, is what it is. Yeah, um, I love that. Um, Great shot of those lights going on on that car. Um, I love, uh, I love that this is Betty's response. He's being too nice to me. I better stalk him. Better figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I better tail this family member. I could like ask to hang out, ask him questions about his life. Yeah. Make small talk and conversation, like family. <laughs> or you could stalk him, like your family. Yeah, and she's she's behaving in a very familial way, really. By her standards. Yeah. Who hasn't she stalked in the family? I, I don't like this plot. I don't like this character. I, ex- I don't buy that, like, Riverdale is a, like, don't misunderstand me. I appreciate that there is, like, significant crime in small towns. Like, don't, mm. don't misunderstand me. But this feels very urban to me. Oh, yeah. It's like downtown. This sure yeah. doesn't look like small town violence. This looks like Gotham. Right. <laughs> like, where in Riverdale is the docks exactly with a burn barrel on the go? No idea. Like, Are we going to see the Skytrain? Was that in the other shot? Yeah, that was the other shot. Oh, we missed it. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Um, 
Yeah, I will agree. This is incongruent with the Riverdale we've met five times over. Mm-hmm. Again. Yet again. Um, some predictions I want to toss out there about yeah. kind of the plot relevance. Um, I think our Dead Poet Society Jughead plot is the season plot. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, Veronica's rival daddy, dark sibling thing, and Archie's superhero and vigilante thing are um, supporting streams, are possibly narrative arcs that will take us to whatever the season finale is. Yeah. Without necessarily being what this season is about. I don't really think we're about Archie and Veronica and how they're affecting the world at this moment. I feel like we're very, very narrowed in on the build of Jughead's mystery and Betty's overarching story right now. Um, So I'm a little bit more forgiving of feeling some flatness with Veronica and Archie because I'm not... Um, I'm I'm not expecting as much from them or their plots right now. Uh, yeah. I'm I I don't expect them to be built up too much more. Yeah. Uh, at the heart of this season, I may be very wrong, but it sure does seem that Jughead and Betty's through line are tying us to, um, whatever the core core conceit of this. Yeah. This is. This I round. kind of love that they're both getting a lot of plot and it's not bughead plot. Yeah. I mean like don't get me wrong, like I like I think they're I think their coupling on screen so far has been pretty fun. Like they've given them a lot mm. of fun material. Like very much in the genre of like two kids falling in love against the world, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But the fact that they're doing a lot separately, I think is a cool choice. You know what? Stands out now that you mentioned that, Chloe. Mm-hmm. When's the last time we've relied on relationship drams for plot tension? In this show? Yeah. Our, last season? Our teenagers and their romances have not been a source of the conflict for a little while now. Too much. Yeah. I. You're right. There hasn't been a ton of relationship drama. I like it. I like, I like it. it too. Like the last I can think of was like the Heather's, the Choni plot point. That was a one. Oh. That was that was a a smoothly set up two or three episode arc of a romantic problem. That was a, a relationship problem that they then dealt with and resolved back when there were no corpses at all. It's true, but wasn't there? Wasn't the like Veronica, Reggie, Archie triangle? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that after Heather's? Yeah, you're right. That's percolating. I can't remember. I now. just don't. That's not teen drums. That's the thing. Isn't that all There's... teen drums? I, I mean, <sighs> I didn't have the... a very adventurous love life as a teenager, so I don't really remember. But... That's kind of what no. I mean. Like, <laughs> that, the looming tro- love triangle that we left and just abandoned at the end of last season, I don't feel like that was a high school petty love drums. That was like some kind of sultry noir Long-lasting speakeasy, (laughs) lost love and romance and secrets and lies. Oh, no. I see your point. Just, it's very different drams. I see your point. You're right. (laughs) I see your point. It is made. Yes. I know. It's a great choice that Riverdale's making. Yeah. I think. Relatively. I'm glad we're not 
leading into high school romance for for the the breaking things. And it means we have uh we get yes. to see relationships that are just doing their thing. Mhm. Ron- uh, people who are just together and living their lives in a relationship and it's not constant struggle. Yeah. Which is refreshing on a show. Yeah. On any show featuring teenagers. Someone yeah. being in a stable relationship is really weird. Yeah. Because it's such an easy way to destabilize your characters, right? It's it's a lazy out. Yeah. Well, let's break them up. Ross and Rachel season on off on off. It's a uh, it's a cheat code. Uh, your dismissal of that as a thing is uh, palpable, and I'm enjoying it. Friends ages badly. I've I, never seen a single episode of Friends from I beginning to end, ever. Grew up on it religiously. I know it enormously. It was the one show my mother liked to sit down and watch to the point of like, Ryan, I'm going to take over the TV completely. Holy it's cow. It's my show. Cute. It's the only one she like reserved time for. And I actually, as a very young child, I was very bored and very petulant and very only child and very confused about this. So I sat down and watched an episode with her. And it was the one episode in the first three seasons that was like not funny, that was that was dull and slow and emotional. Yeah. And my little seven-year-old brain looked at my mom judgmentally and then left. And then <laughs> in high school, I rediscovered Friends and watched it all with my mom. And it was great. Great. I love that story. Well, <laughs> let's anyway. leave, let's, two friends, we'll leave you on the note of friends um, as we watch this show about friends. Friends. <laughs> friends. <laughs> I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan. It's been good having you in my living room this afternoon. And by afternoon, I mean that's a dirty lie. Whatever time it is in your brain, gang. Yes. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>